0: What's up, you mob? Welcome to this episode of The Goss, where I sit down with my father, sit down with my old man and talk about this week's goss. The news, current affairs, what's going on in our lives, everything like that. So, these episodes are all about talking about a wide range of different topics to allow you guys to hear all sorts of different vocabulary, to form your own opinions about these topics as well, and to hear conversations, natural conversations amongst native speakers of English and how we interact with one another. Now... If you guys want access to the full videos, the full episodes, the full transcripts, as well as the premium podcast player so that you can listen to the episode and read the text at the same time, don't forget to sign up for the premium podcast at aussieenglish.com. And you will also get access to all of that and more if you join the academy, which includes hundreds of courses, three times weekly classes with a real English teacher, amongst many other things. So, guys, go check that out. In today's episode, which has been split up into two episodes, so you'll probably get one this week and one next week, we talk about a wide, wide range of different topics we talk about family history and a really interesting story in my family with my father and his his parents how they met and yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you listen to that story. It's a very interesting one. We talk about New Zealand's prime minister and why she is probably the best prime minister in the western world. We talk about pokies and why they have been shut in Australia and how much money they're saving people every single day at the moment whilst they're closed. We talk about Chernobyl. And that there was a massive fire near Chernobyl causing radiation levels to increase like crazy. We also talk about a mutant enzyme that is being used now to break down plastic bottles and help recycle plastics. We also touch on a few of these COVID stories as they're sort of happening in and amongst these other stories we talk about. And then, lastly, we talk about a supermarket boss from the supermarket chain called Drake's in South Australia and what he did when a certain hoarder asked for a refund for 5,000 rolls of toilet paper. Anyway, guys, without any further ado, let's get into this episode, kick the kookaburra, and let her rip. G'day, guys! Welcome to this episode of the Goss Seventeen. Dad, how are you feeling?
1: Yeah, all right, all right. Um, it's been a bit of a weird week, really, but um, just haven't been feeling that good, you know, with the heart and the drugs and things. But yeah, you know, okay. But just you know, tired. So uh, all right now though, which is good. good. And how's lockdown going? Are you having fun without uh, anyone else around? Yeah, well, exactly. We've been I've been writing family history, so. Uh, at some stage in the um, yeah, medium to uh, or short to medium term future, you may well get a book of your family history so how do you go about that? Tell us a little bit
0: uh, a little bit about that and um, you know I guess what got you so interested in family history and and why are you writing a book about it
1: um, well i 've been interested in it for a long time because i mean my grandfather my mother 's father lived with us when we were kids um, for the last ten or so years of his life, and he was always telling stories about his family and so on and You sort of get sucked into those you know old timer stories <laughs> um, and and then when he died, that um, sort of disappeared for a while and then my parents both died in their sixties, and I sort of realized when my mother died and I was only forty years old that i 'm now the oldest person in the family. Um, <laughs> directly you're, you're directly direct family, right yeah, yeah. Direct. you're other the oldest than, of all your siblings yeah other than my half sister who's 12 years older than me but of course, she has no uh, knowledge of um, either branch of the family, really, because you know, my father left uh, her and uh, her mother when she was a baby. So.
0: Well, I was going to say, do you want to tell that story? Are you comfortable talking about that on the podcast? Yeah, yeah,
1: that's fine. Because it's such Jackie's an interesting. Be listening
0: to this, so <laughs> you won't contradict me. <laughs> well, you you mentioned whatever you're comfortable with, but it definitely was a very interesting story. Because yeah, I'll let you tell it.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, my father was um, considerably older than my mother. He was 17 and a half years older than my mother. Um, And uh, he had been married previously. Uh, He was married before the Second World War, and then he served in the Air Force during the Second World War for the whole war, and um, had a baby right at the end of the war, uh, 1945. Uh, and then within a year had split up from his wife and then they were ultimately divorced and then uh, he came to Australia and so he really didn't see his wife and child again um, after she was about two years old. And so um, all we knew as children growing up was that she existed, you know, that you know, he had been married previously and had a child. We knew nothing else about her and she knew nothing uh, but um, I remember after uh, Mum died and getting all of the you know the family papers and bits and pieces together um, and finding um, his divorce papers from his previous wife um, and a photograph of a young child, a young girl uh, that he carried around in his wallet uh, and And I sort of put two and two together and assumed that must be her. Uh, And then I um, started tracking her down. Um, We knew her name, um, but it was a reasonably common name. And searching through the the British phone book for people of that name, there were 67 people with her name. And I wasn't going to start cold calling everybody on that list. (laughs) Um, And of course, it may well be that she had uh, remarried and so on, and that was all. Right. Uh, by the time I got to that, I'd already worked out that she had been married, um, and I knew her married surname, and so I started looking there. But I said that was sixty-seven people with that surname, and, um, so I, um, and I I knew nothing else about it um, other than that. But I employed a um, a people finder uh, in the UK, and cost me fifty pounds, um, and he found uh, her within a few weeks. Uh, wow, and yeah. Ended up, we were backwards and forwards with me giving him more information, you know, because the first few things that he tried, just he struck out. But ended up finding her and um, I ended up calling her and just saying, hey, you know, it <laughs> was Ron Smithson, who was my father's name before he got divorced. He changed his name after he came to Australia. Um, and uh, was he your father? And she said, yes. And uh, yeah, it went on from there.
0: That's so crazy that you effectively had no idea you had a half-sister for your entire life until after your mother died,
1: right? Well, I knew that she had existed, but for all I know, I didn't know anything about her because dad knew nothing about her since since she was two. So, I knew she had been born and that was all I knew. So uh, and she knew nothing about us, uh, yeah. Because obviously she'd had nothing to do with it. So uh, I think it was more of a shock to her because I'd obviously known at least about her conceptually, but she had always assumed that he had left and you know probably had another family, but uh, didn't actually know anything. And she said, all of a sudden, I've got you know a brother, two sisters, nieces and nephews. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and
0: wow, that it just seems so crazy, so tragic too, because. Obviously, with, with your father, I don't know how much, I mean, so with my grandfather, I don't know how much my grandmother knew, but everything died with him, right? Effectively, yeah, yeah. like the reasons why he did that, what yeah. happened with yeah. with his ex-wife back in Britain, because th- there was a an interesting aspect to that story too, right, where you think that you've... First, learn about the story of okay, he abandoned his family, he came out to Australia, he got remarried, he never talked, never talked about them, never went and saw them ever again. Never communicated with them in any way. And that blows my mind, having obviously Noah as a um, 10 month old, you know, just to think about what would it take for me to uproot and say, go to England and never, ever, ever. Talk to Kel or Noah or about I them know. or want to come back and see them again. What would have to happen, right? I y- you never I know. Gonna
1: know. No, exactly. It's scary, and and the fact that he carried her, pick a picture of her around with him for the rest yeah. of his life. Um, so that's making you, like harder, there. right? Because you're, yeah, you're obviously I reminding know. yourself. There's still the something fact- there, but he, know um, yeah, he obviously abandoned them. And, uh, well, I mean,
0: weird. but but that was the story because there was another interesting aspect to it, right? Where. She pretty quickly after the divorce ended up marrying, was it a friend of his or something?
1: Well, yeah, the uh, the whole divorce saga is another one. And that's you know, partly what I've been writing about in the chapter on dad, in this, the book that I'm writing is because um, I've got the his divorce papers and I've got his, um, the easiest way to put it is in his wife sued for divorce on the grounds that he was having an affair with another woman.
0: Which was the only way for her to get no divorce in the time, right? You couldn't just say, we're not getting along, we're going to get a divorce.
1: Yeah, there was no such thing as no-fault divorce. Yeah. Um, And that woman's husband was suing for divorce on the grounds that his wife was having an affair with my father. Yeah. Well, it was this dual thing. The interesting part of it is that those two divorce uh, papers were submitted to the court two days apart. (laughs) And so, you've got to assume there was a bit of collusion going on here. Um, and that my father's ex-wife and the ex-husband of the woman my father was accused of having an affair with got married less than a year later. Mm. So you you never know, and we will never know. Um, It's something I'm never going to talk to. To my sister about because yeah. she might never know. And you know, well, what
0: would you put money on though? If you were to oh, say, oh. I reckon this is what happened. What do
1: you think would have happened? There? Well, you can you can never discount anybody having affairs with somebody else, but it just seems far too convenient for me uh, that the outcome was that the two people who were suing for divorce ended up together. But yeah. it may well have been that, you know, who knows? I don't know whether they knew each other, whether they were friends or whatever. It might well have been the case. So the two options, well, the three options are that it happened exactly like the papers say it happened. The second one is that it was a complete setup. up <laughs> in a sense that the four of them just agreed well this is going to happen you two want to stay together we're out of it but the easiest thing for to do particularly if dad was already you know he was on his way out he was you know already planning to leave the country by then um he probably would have said well just blame me you know mm. i'm <laughs> i'm out or the third one is that it happened just the way they said it happened and these two just got together afterwards you know so we'll never know uh, but it's an interesting part of uh, your family history as, as well. As
0: and because he changed his name, right? Because he hated his he mother. He changed
1: his name. Well, I don't know whether it was because he hated his mother. He certainly never got along with his mother and he didn't see her from the time he was about, I think for the time he would have been in his 20s or early 30s. But he, um, he did change his name, but ironically, he didn't change his surname. And with such yeah. an unusual surname that we have, it's not like he was untraceable. <laughs> and in the end, it was his not downfall, but it was in the end it came back to uh, haunt him because his sister, uh, who moved to Australia years after he did, um, with her second family, uh, just looked up the Melbourne phone book one day. <laughs> she didn't live in Melbourne, but she was looking up somebody's name in the Melbourne phone book back in the days when we had phone books. Uh, and and found a name, Smithson. It was the only mm. one in the Melbourne phone book, but it wasn't, you know, it was C.J. Smithson, whereas his initials were originally R.E. Smithson. And she just rang, and he yeah. answered the phone. And so <laughs> they immediately knew each other. So it was... So, you know, just if he changed his surname to Smith, nobody would ever have found him.
0: So, do you think a big thing about family history and the reason so many people get sucked into it later in life is because people want to know where they've come from, but also that families, once you go back generations, end up being so big that you're almost always likely to find something
1: interesting, right? Oh yeah you'll always find the sort of either the skeletons in the cupboard or the um, yeah as you're you yeah, know on your mother's side you yeah, your mother's doing her family history a lot at the moment and <laughs> she's found royalty she you are a descendant <laughs> from William the Conqueror yeah and, drop drops some and, names because mum keeps showing every other day and yeah the, uh, the 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 first King of Scotland and Rollo, so on. the Viking so, apparently too oh, the, that's you you've just got everything in there, but that's inevitable once you not necessarily that you have a direct line to William the Conqueror, but you're going to be related to a whole lot of royalty and aristocracy as soon as you have one person that're related to in the media evil aristocracy, because they were so incestuous, not necessarily directly incestuous as in marrying their cousins, but in a sense that they only ever married into other wealthy aristocratic families. And yeah. there are only so, so many of them to go around. So It is
0: pretty weird to think that I'm yeah, related to them. But at the same time, I remember looking up online, you know, how many generations do I have to go back before I'm effectively equally related to every single person in that population at the time right yeah, and it's well, something exactly. like only 25
1: 30 yeah. generations well, it's so. i think you i think from the top off the top of my head you are the 27th cousin to prince william who is the second in line for the king and <laughs> so what does that, that make me like billionth in line for the yeah. throne. <laughs> <laughs> so so you know that's yeah, you're right. Yeah. And there will be millions of other people around the world who have uh, who have the same relationship, mm-hmm. but uh, that's it is what it is. But the other thing about you know, being interested in family history was um, there's the personal interest of you know what I'm interested in and what I like and what I think about it. But it's also now looking at it saying, well, I wish that my grandparents had written down more about what they knew. So this is an opportunity for me to write it, write for my grandchildren, for Noah and Isabel and others as they will come. Uh, but, um, and I'm, So I'm writing it in the form of um, a letter to my grandchildren as in, you know, this is what I know about the family. Um, and they may or may not ever be interested but at least it's documented for them whereas if they are interested and it's not documented then they've got a whole lot of digging and they can only dig for what has been documented you can't dig for old family stories
0: yeah it is interesting i don't know i've I've only recently felt the urge felt the pull towards learning more about family history, but I think that's coupled with wanting to learn more about australian history mm. and once you get into it and you start learning about the stories of people's lives and you realize just how many how many billions of people have lived interesting lives in the past right and it's just, yeah, it's, it's funny how it takes you probably past your 30s, right, before you start really caring about your family's history or about history in general. You don't find many young people who are like, yeah, I just love early Australian history. <laughs> yeah,
1: or I just want to know about what my great-grandparents were doing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I wanted to talk about this today before we get into the news. Do you think... I was uh, when I was interviewing uh, Adam Courtney about his book, The Ghost Name Man, Dropper. Yeah, and the, the bounty hunter, which I think is up over here somewhere, somewhere anyway. Yeah. Um, but he he was saying he was fight, he would always fight with his father Bryce Courtney, who's a famous Australian author who wrote a lot of historical fiction. Yeah. about whether or not fiction is better than than um, reality. Yes, that than yeah than non fiction and I want to know your two cents on this because mine is that I think now i 'm much more interested in real stories and non fiction and history than than fiction itself because they tend to be much more fascinating, much more complicated, mostly gray, not black and white mm. and you know I think that 's probably something where you have those two kinds of people, those who can sort of reconcile and deal with that complexity and that difficulty of digestion of those sorts of stories. And then those who are like, I want everything tied up in a nice little pink bow. I don't want to be left at the end of a story thinking, what did I just read? Who's bad? Who's good? Questioning myself. I want to know that's the villain. That's the good guy. So yeah, long, long question. But do you think fiction's better than, than nonfiction or vice versa?
1: No, I, I think there's a place for both. Um, some of my favourite Australian stories have come from what I would call faction. <laughs> and that is people who are writing fiction, but they are incorporating actual events and real people into it. And then, so they're they're interpreting what was going on at those times, but they're doing it in a fictional mode, as in the primary characters are fictional. I guess it gets and difficult too with that because
0: it's a kind of continuum, right? Yeah, it You is. have yeah. everything from where, okay, we... We have the dot points of what happened in this story, but we don't Mm. have conversations. We don't have exact, you know, interactions, but we'll insert those all the way to something like Game of Thrones, where it's kind of like, this is 90% 90 fiction, but you can see 10% of this. It's inspired
1: by real events, but they don't re- reference those real yeah, events. Yeah, but you can yeah. tell,
0: okay, so this guy's obviously yeah. a massive history buff in, in Britain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's yeah. just based all of these stories and interactions on characters or events in real life.
1: Mm, yeah, because, I mean, there's there's one series of books which um, I'm always reluctant to start a sentence with, you should, but, <laughs> but you should read um, by Vivian Stewart. Um, it's a 12-book historical saga on basically one family who came to Australia in the first fleet, or one of them came to Australia in the first fleet. It's fictional, but all of the events in it are based around actual things that happened. And Vivian Stewart, the author, is um, a military historian. And so she's got that history background, and she obviously has studied the, the times and the events very well. And so, you get a pretty good idea of what was going on at that time, but she describes them in a way using fictional characters as mm. the main protagonists in the story. So, that's good. The other ha- thing is like, and I haven't read Adam Courtney yet, and I'll, I'll get hold of them from you and, and read at some stage. But Well, you
0: won't have to because he asked me if he could send a book to anyone that I knew and it should be arriving <laughs> in the next day or two in oh, your letterbox. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so... <Sorry. laughs>
1: Oh, thank you, Pete, and thank you, Adam. There you go. Um, but the, that style of writing, which is, is more fact-based, but interpreting, uh, which I'm assuming is the way he writes, um, and another person's name I'll give you when I've got a few of her books is Carol Baxter, who is an Australian author, and she writes uh, mostly Australian stories that are, and again, she's an historian and she writes them from the perspective of saying, I'm going to tell this person or this event story in a historical way, but she writes them like they are fiction because her opinion is that if you just write history and you're really, you know, you're writing a, effectively a non fiction book about the history, it's less readable to a general audience yeah. than if you write the story and you have conversation. And so the conversation that, and the stuff that you include is made up. Mm. But it's interpreted from real events and the personalities are not just invented. They're based on documentary evidence. And well, so another
0: on, really so. interesting example is this guy, right? Um, Peter Fitzsimons, who writes a lot yeah. of books about Australian history. And he gets the diaries and, you know, the letters and everything. This is the yeah. book behind me that you gave me for uh, Christmas, I think. Yes. And he, the interesting thing he does is he'll change everything into the present tense. as That's if- right. Yeah. as if it's being spoken in the moment and you're yeah, and on the journey. and that's what Carol
1: Baxter does. Yeah, she writes it. It reads like fiction, but it's all factual. So Yeah. Uh, so,
0: yeah, so where where do you sort of sit on that continuum then, okay? Yeah, it's not black I, and white and it's a I continuum. Like, I like all
1: of it. Um, I must say that I'm more, you know, being a historian a bit as well, having studied history, I'm more in line with the factional towards factual, Um <laughs> uh, Fiction's fine, and I don't mind fiction. But what I don't, what I find irritating, is where fiction is effectively grabbing bits of history, but not paying um, any attention to whether their history is correct or not. Yeah, um, you know, they drop into events and they refer to things, but they get them wrong or they misinterpret and those sort of things. It's it's a bit like my you know opposition to science fiction where the science is wrong. I don't mind you making up science if you're going to write science fiction, but don't get real science wrong. Well, you want to be fooled, <laughs> right? The whole point yeah.
0: of of especially fiction is to trick you into believing, to being mm. caught in the story where... It's kind of like the inverse of meditating where the voice goes quiet in your head, right? You're, you're, you want to be so absorbed in the thing that it is a reality and you, you don't realize that you're, you know, yourself in that moment.
1: Yeah. And then they, and when they impose a reality that conflicts with it, yeah, then it gets a bit, for me, it just gets irritating. So, yeah, I don't mind pure fiction and I don't mind that faction through to factual history. And I, you know, so, I I'd lean so- on the factual
0: I get so irritated these days with Hollywood because it seems like they have to pander to the the simple majority and make everything easy, and so yeah, all yeah. the good guys are a hundred percent good, all the bad guys are a hundred percent bad, and I think this is why Game of Thrones was probably so successful because it was fifty shades of gray you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it's like, oh my God, this is so complex, and I think it it showed people how you don't have to be afraid of complexity. You can actually really enjoy the fact that you can't decide if someone is good or bad or if they are, a, they are liable to change, right? Mm. And I watched recently, I just did an episode, a Walking with Pete episode on uh, Tiger King. Have you seen that yet on Netflix?
1: I haven't. I've seen it. It keeps popping up as you must watch, but I haven't seen it yet. So.
0: <laughs> anyway, I won't give you any spoilers, but um, it's one of those reality is stranger than fiction Examples yeah. of just you couldn't write this. The characters yeah. are so complex, they're so crazy. The, the the weirdest shit happens that you could just if someone wrote this and said it was just a fiction story, you'd be like, this is ridiculous. But yeah. the fact that it's real allows it to be ridiculous, and you're just like, <laughs> hang on to your
1: hats. Yeah. Well, in fact, <laughs> I, I <laughs> I've just finished writing the chapter on my father in this book, and and that's the closing line in the chapter is that if I had written this as a fiction script for television they'd send it back to me and say, this is not believable. Nobody would believe it. Mm. Uh, but it is where you just go, you know, this shit happens. And, and in fact, there's a whole lot of stuff that I've left out, not deliberately, but because it's related to nieces and nephews and so on, that you just look at it and go, no, that's even more weird. But <laughs>
0: All right. Anyway.
1: Yeah. Did but, you find any? But sorry, but you yeah, I, Yeah, but sorry, I'll just... um. So, yeah, getting back to that sort of history and – yeah, or, sorry, the television part of it, one of the things that, as you say, I like about television is if – even for TV, like soap opera type TV, and you know I'm hooked on Heartland, the Canadian TV series set in the uh, East foothills in Alberta – um, and it's nicely written, and even the, the characters say it's good, wholesome television. You know, there's there's no violence, there's no sex, there's no murder or whatever. There's a lot of implied boring. bits of boring Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but all of the characters are flawed. Yeah. And so there is constant conflict because they screw up. And and so you even you can write that sort of middle of the road family stories, but write them in an interesting way. It doesn't have to be that everything is over dramatic or you know violent. G'day, mate.
0: That was the first half of this episode of The Goss. If you would like to continue watching or continue listening to this episode, make sure that you sign up for the premium podcast or academy memberships at aussieenglish.com.au where you will get full access to these entire episodes of this series and much, much more. You can go check that out using the links below or just go to aussieenglish.com.au. Once again... Thank you so much for joining me, mate, and I will see you next time. Peace.